The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This episode of Beyond is brought to you by Gamefly. Do not underestimate the power of PlayStation. Beyond. Beyond. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Beyond, episode 513. Uh, My name is Marty Sleva. I'm joined by Andrew Goldfarb. And that's it. And that's it. This is going to be a special uh, Beyond uh, Fireside Chat, which is something that we used to do back in the day. Uh, The reason there's only two of us here is because everything's kind of crazy. Yep. New York Comic Con's happening. New York Comic Con's happening. Uh, Zach and and Max are shooting a Facebook show. Uh, Alon and Brian both have some personal stuff going on. Uh, But these two-person Fireside Chats are sort of a part of Beyond history. Yeah. A little more of an intimate Yeah, Yeah. These existed back in the days of of Greg and Colin and Mm -hmm. and Clements, and you were on plenty of them. Uh, Yeah. So uh, we decided it's just gonna be the two of us this week uh but we do have a couple really cool things uh to talk about um we're gonna talk about a couple things we've been playing which are super exciting uh one is assassin's creed and one is uh danganronpa v3 yeah uh we're gonna talk about uh how october might be the best month ever for uh, ps plus games pretty much um psvr is getting a new model and i'm not sure how we feel about that uh ps4 playstation as a whole now has a new ceo president Yep. Which is exciting, so we're going to speculate what that might mean. Uh, and then we're going to talk a little bit about PUBG and whether or not uh, PlayStation fans will ever get their hands on it. Yeah, and yeah. other indie games. And other well. indie games. Uh, so yeah, first off, uh, let's talk about what we've been playing. Let's start mm-hmm. off with Danganronpa, uh, Ooh, which sure. if you go to our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash IGN Beyond, you can check out a Let's Play that uh, Andrew, Alana, and I did, yep. which is a very uh, entertaining primer into just what the hell this game is. Yeah, it's completely insane. It is the weirdest... Like, it was funny because when we were going in, I was like, this game's really weird. Yeah. And you guys were both like, all right. Like, yeah. I've played weird games. No, it's, it's ten times weirder than you would think. Yeah, it's uh, so this is the, the third core game in the series. It's a mm-hmm. visual novel murder mystery that's almost like a uh, take on, like, Battle Royale where there's a bunch of kids trapped in a school. And one by one, they start killing each other. And you sort of have to solve who's doing it, uh, who done it. Exactly. And it's like, it's structured. There are kind of three it starts as a visual novel. It's like very, very text heavy. Uh, and then when you explore, it's it's almost like a telltale style. Like you're walking around in first person, uh, identifying ports of interest and, and kind of discovering things as you go. But then during the class trials, it's this weird, almost WarioWare-esque, maybe a little longer than that, uh, mini games mm-hmm. that you play that like get you through it. And so it's utterly bizarre. It's the weirdest style of gameplay you can imagine. Um, the ending of that game, obviously no spoilers, but the ending of that game is going to stick with me for a very very long time so it, you did finish it i did finish it this weekend 
Overall, it's probably like 40 hours. You, uh, were you playing on Vita? Uh, I played the entire thing on Vita, yeah. That, yeah. I wonder, like, I was thinking about that. I wonder if that's, like, the last... I wonder if that's the last time I will put that much time into a Vita game. Yeah. Because I, I mean, Honestly, know, that might be... This is the, the Vita game I've been waiting for. And it's on PS4. It's in 4K. It looks yeah. incredible yeah, on PS4. And it has cross-save and everything. But... Man, I really wanted to play it on Vita. I played the first time on Vita, and like I'm happy to put that time into it. But man, I, I wonder what else is even coming. Yeah, I mean, and also I don't know. Having played that first that first game, I'm sort of bummed that I missed the train on this earlier, and I want to go back to play the first Danganronpa, which you said yep. is much shorter. Yep. Um, but still equally cool, just because like the game has so many really interesting ideas. Uh, and I'm, like you were you were you sort of primed us. You're like, guys, this is weird, Alana. We're like, yeah, we know weird. Like, it's totally fine. And we got like ten minutes in that game. And we're like, what are these little bears? Who are these? Who are these men? Yeah. And why is one so extremely sexual? I like that it leans into how weird it is sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, there's also like there is that like as much, like it is very funny to roll your eyes at. Yeah. But also like. This game's definitely a little more vulgar. I think they kind of dialed it up. Um, some of it felt a little... Like, I love swearing. Some of it felt weirdly out of place. Yeah. Like, I kind of agree with that. Swearing for swearing's sake. There's one character who is, like, very, very abrasive, and she's, like, super vulgar, and that's, like, one of her... Like, the thing is, she's, like, super, super, super aggressive, and then the minute you challenge her, she's, like, really meek, and it's, like, a weird character thing. So, I don't know. There are characters... I actually really like the characters in this for the most part, um, but I do think, like, it... it dialed up some things that it probably didn't need to mm-hmm. uh that said like man do i love how it all tied together and like i like i don't know i don't know if we'll get another dangarampa game like this feels like it could be just a trilogy of a very weird game yeah whereas uh persona is a series that over time sort of grew to become this you know worldwide phenomenon like in stellar reviews everyone's talking about it like clearly they're gonna go back to a p6 after project refantasy in my opinion yeah maybe i mean like the they claim to be done with Persona. They claim that the new studio, as we shift over to Atlas, they claim that that new studio has other projects even after Refantasy already in the works. Catherine too? Maybe it is Catherine too. They teased it. I hope it's Catherine too. Yeah, with Dingaromp, it's so weird because like I don't know if we'll see another one, but like this felt like this feels like the most complete game. Mm-hmm. Like even when you beat it, you unlock all of these like cool like bonus modes, and you can like go back through and like make it into. There's weirdly this mode that like goes back and lets you kind of replay through without the killing it mm-hmm. seems like i don't know i'm really early into that but i, I like the game quite a bit i i really want to talk to someone about the ending because it's yeah insane. and it's just interesting and different which uh yesterday alan and i were playing through the c ending of near automata and that is one of those things where like when i think about near i don't I didn't really enjoy the act of playing it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think the combat's great, despite the fact that Platinum worked on it. Uh, I think it's sort of ugly, and I think a lot of the stuff you do is monotonous. But the more I think about that game, the story, the presentation, the ideas, and just like the way it, it it's a game that could only be a game. Like, yeah. it has so many elements that if you turn it into an anime or a book or a TV show, wouldn't work because so much of it mm. has to do with your interaction with it and you as the player and sort of concepts of 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 ai and sentience and everything um i like that a lot wow yeah. what a cool what a smart way to think about it like yeah i, I think that actually makes a lot and of yeah i don't know do you have any like we were talking about games that you like to think about more than play and lana was talking about majora's mask where it's a game yeah that on paper she loves but playing it is the the the, the time mechanic is a little bit tedious i mean any cinematic game like either of the newer tomb raiders or last of us or bioshock infinite like you like man do i love the last of us and man do i love those tomb raider reboots but when you actually go back and try and replay them you find yourself sort of just playing through to get to the next cutscene. Sure. i think um and some of the combat and exploration can get a little bit repetitive mm-hmm. um so it depends on the game but yeah that's a really good point too like thinking about 
I think that's what's weird about an interactive medium is like a lot of like you look at an episode of a Telltale game and it's like whatever two three hours, mm-hmm. but like when you go to like a forty hour game, especially when you're talking about revisiting it, like it doesn't. I think its flaws kind of are more apparent. Yeah, and I think a lot of games like Last of Us is perfect to where like I adore The Last of Us and I think about it all the time and I, I hold it up to a really high pinnacle, but I hold its moments and its story and how it made me feel up to that pinnacle whereas I don't think the game is necessarily fun. Like I don't want to go yeah. back. I don't think it has that bungee, you know, Halo slash Destiny 20-second loop which they sort of perfected and that's like the that's the drug that keeps dripping in your system through the IV like that's not what the last of us is to me the last of us is a thing that i experienced once and i'm sort of fine with experience once yeah. like i'm excited for the last of us too and then i love left behind but like i maybe i'll replay the first last of us i probably will before too because i'm sure there'll be some nods that i forgot in the 5 years in between them or whatever especially but, like returning characters and yeah, stuff yeah yeah i've been meaning to do that too yeah um, so talking the game I've been playing, which we can talk about now because the preview embargo's up, uh, I got to put about four hours into Assassin's Creed Origins, Yay, uh, which is super exciting. It's really good, and it is definitely a game that falls in the uh, in the, the Bungie Destiny camp of uh, it's about the moments, and I had fun playing. The, the, the four hours to me was about the moment-to-moment, like sort of it, it threw us it was near ish i think the middle of the game and and ubisoft always does this with the final preview event for these games you know a month before they come out where it's just like uh go nuts here's a giant chunk of the map it's open all the side quests are here you have a mainline story quest you could do but just go do other stuff um and so i definitely did that like i finished the main story which was interesting and i don't want to spoil but it had a really cool um a really cool sort of twist to it that also puts you in like a scenario that I thought was really cool that I hadn't seen in a game before. Like it does, it introduces a concept in a story and then all of a sudden you're forced to live that concept in a really cool way. Mm. Um, but then the moment to moment stuff, it is, it's funny. It's, it, it, I think this is just becoming a thing that is going to happen to a lot of open world games this generation, but it's totally, these games are becoming sort of single player MMOs and they're taking that uh, loot drop, you know, purple, gold, green, exotics, rares, legendaries that, that MMO has been doing forever, that War, uh, World of Warcraft has been doing forever. And I feel like the first single-player game I can remember doing that was Darksiders 2, where it felt like a single-player yeah. MMO. Yeah, and it's like, obviously, like Borderlands, you can play by yourself. Yeah. But it's like you also have that option of yeah. like teaming up. Yeah, um, and then now it's obviously huge in Destiny 2, Shadow of War is leaning into that, but uh, Assassin's Creed definitely leans into it. In a really cool way, like I loved running around that world and slowly upgrading Bayek like the the skill tree is just super diverse and it's totally like do you want to just like lean super heavily into melee do you want all traversal do you want to upgrade the fact that you can poison people from the dark um and then every five minutes I felt like I was getting a new weapon or item or piece of gear that was slowly like incrementally increasing my stats which I think that's one of the things that really hooked me about Destiny was that like it felt like that initial curve especially to 260 280 felt like every 10 minutes I was making progress towards that goal yeah um, and then that, Egypt- that, loop, that that is addictive too like yeah. I think even to some extent Breath of the Wild has yeah, that totally. like, I, I think that sense of like progression Assassin's Creed's always been really good about like getting you through a story or whatever mm-hmm. but I, I feel like the last game I remember, what was it, two that lets you like build out your villa and everything? Yeah, yeah. Like that felt like you could customize it, but you weren't customizing your character at all. No, no. And and so I like that like this feels like such a natural evolution because 
like syndicate gave you more freedom and like little by little they've been getting there but now this is like you still have all that freedom of exploration but this is the first time it feels like they're letting you customize character stuff customize characters and everything has like these you, you constantly have these sub goals that are rooted inside main missions or even side quests um, and I think that's one of the, like one of the things that really stuck with me persona is that you are constantly yeah you're moving through the story but <laughs> You're moving through the story, but you are constantly being like, oh, in this little chunk of free time, I was upping my charm or my charisma. Mm-hmm. And in this chunk of free time, I was uh, increasing a social link with on. And so it felt like everything you were doing was moving you in a forward direction in one of a thousand different ways. And it comes so at the all cost of something like, else. Yeah, totally. And I think that's like why in Destiny or anything else, it's like when you – undertake like when you're like i'm gonna go for this gun yeah. via this mission like you're you're not spending your time doing something else yes. where you could up something else. yeah you're not mining for resources you're not doing a yeah. raid you're not running the nightfall um but yeah assassin's creed uh and i love egypt as a setting it's something that like we haven't gotten we haven't there hasn't really been a game that's big and taken it seriously yeah. like you get these fake egypt levels and like Mario 64 and Gobi Desert in Banjo-Kazooie, yeah. but I wouldn't really say like Banjo-Kazooie couldn't have a mode that, uh, you know, it's the discovery mode or they take all the enemies out of the Egypt level and let you like learn about mummification <laughs> and the Sphinx, good. which is a dog. <laughs> I mean, I do love, I guess we should talk about that. Like, I love that they're doing that discovery mode because I think they're finally leaning into like, I love the historical kind of it's obviously not real like it's revisionist history obviously but like i think it's really cool that they have this kind of like smart historical fiction vibe going where they're taking real events and weaving them Mm -hmm. in and so like why not make an education mode yeah and they've always had real historical figures like Mm -hmm. obviously it was caricatures of someone like leonardo da vinci but this game has cleopatra and ptolemy and I don't know. It's cool. If this is a way kids are going to learn about things, like I'm all yeah. for that. Um, cool. So yeah, that's what we've been playing. Uh, I've been playing some other stuff too that we can't talk about quite yet, but we should be able to talk about next week. I played quite a bit of something over the weekend that I liked a lot, um, but we can talk about that next week's show. Um, can you, yeah, you can talk about it by next week, right? Yeah, next week. I thought it was two weeks, but it's next week. Oh, cool. Hello there. Would you like to save money and play more video games? Well, let me introduce you to our sponsor, Gamefly. Gamefly is the best way to buy and rent all your favorite games. At Gamefly.com, you pick your favorite games and have them mailed directly to your door or mailbox. Gamefly is the leading video game rental service with over 9,000 titles to choose from. You can try your favorite games before you buy and keep the games as long as you want with no late fees. So if you're stuck on a boss fight or having a really good time, it's not a big deal. You can cancel at any time, and they also offer movie rentals too. Go to Gamefly.com slash farbeyond and start your free premium 30-day trial today. The premium trial allows you to check out two games and or movies at a time. You can only get this offer, again, by visiting Gamefly.com slash farbeyond. Now go sign up and start playing all your favorite games absolutely free for 30 days right now. Before we get into the news, just a quick PSA is that uh, if you haven't seen, October's Games of Gold is incredible. And when we said it's possibly the best month ever, we're not lying. There's a couple small games. Uh, number two on it is the Amnesia Collection, which is great. If you haven't played uh, these uh, Amnesia and then A Machine for Pigs, you should. They're really smart, really good first-person survival horror games. Uh, obviously, October's a perfect month for that, so check yep. those out. Uh, and then the biggest one, which is possibly the best game ever given away in either of the free services, is Metal Gear Solid Five the phantom pain yeah and it's really it's especially crazy when you step back and think about all the free playstation plus games and how good this catalog is Mm -hmm. if you've been getting everything but like yeah this feels like this is probably the biggest game since they gave away like uncharted i guess yeah like i I can't i can't think of a longer better especially like if you play through phantom pain and then 
like want to jump into anything else like this is such a good opportunity for even like a brand new ps4 owner yeah and when you look at like phantom pains in our it's it's still i think in our top five uh top of top 25 ps4 games and we've never gotten bloodborne for free or witcher Mm -hmm. for free or gta 5 for free or the witness for free um and so this is a game and phantom pain can can last you well over 100 hours if you if you you know want to put the time into it and the fact that it's coming out now like is almost like it's uh, it's like I wish this was like a June thing. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, for summer I could just burn through this game the entire time. But instead it's like, well, October also has, you know, looking across all the platforms, you have Cuphead and Forza and Shadow of War and yep. Call of Duty's coming up, and then you have Mario uh, Wolfenstein. Mario Athens. Wolfenstein Assassins, yeah. GTA or GT Sport. So yeah. um it's just sort of a, a, a wealth of riches which is cool i mean it's also just if you can't play it yet just download it for if you haven't played it just hit the download button it's in your library forever and then come back to it in january whenever you want yeah Yeah, it's also like a pretty smart pr move by konami to like be like hey don't forget metal gear yeah like eventually like like they've been really suspiciously quiet about survive but yeah it's out there expected to hear from it at tokyo game show and we didn't uh Maybe we'll hear about it at the end of the month, which I guess that's another PSA is that on uh, the more uh, 8 a.m. Pacific time mm-hmm. on Monday, October 30th, as part of Paris Games Week, Sony's going to have a big media briefing yeah. where they've promised. The only thing they promise is new PlayStation 4 and PSVR games. Yeah, and I feel like like they like to kind of keep it to the ecosystem they're in. So like I obviously think we'll finally hear about Dreams because like Europe is media molecules. I feel like predicting Dreams is your version of what studio. <laughs> this is finally going to be the year Studio Ben. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's a really safe bet that we'll get that. I think obviously more stuff on Detroit. Maybe maybe we get date finally. <laughs> yeah, um, I would say probably not Metal Gear being a Japanese game. Right? Yeah, and I think they really do want to lean into first party stuff. Like I can see them doing. Maybe a God of War update. Like it feels early for that in Spider Man. Maybe they also, save that for PSX. Yeah, that's the other big thing. Is like PSX is coming a month later at the beginning of December, and that's where like I don't know. I'm expecting big, just like God of War, Spider Man, like yeah. big updates on these games. I don't think we're going to hear from The Last of Us Two or Death Stranding for the rest of the year. I agree with that. I yeah. think both of those are E3 games that we see next year. Yeah, I think they have to be. I mean, Sony does this weird thing where like they they crowd themselves into this weird corner where. It's it's obviously the very end of October when they do that, and then PSX is five weeks later. Yeah, so they can't really like they can't double up, and yeah. there's not really a ton of crazy stuff happening in between. My guess is maybe they, like a uh, the Horizon DLC comes out like two weeks after that. So yeah, maybe Frozen Wilds. That's they a show bet. a big Frozen Wilds thing. That's a yeah. I think like the sure bets are that Detroit and Dreams. Yeah, I would say, and then maybe either God of War, Spider Man, and whichever one's not there is at PSX. Yeah. And then, yeah, Last of Us feels like a PSX move to me. Yeah. Do you think we'll see Wild again? That's a French game. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Could, well, is he really good? Is Michel Ansel really going to show two of his games in the same year? That would that would <laughs> be like world ending, I think. Yeah, that would be really cool if sure, he came. Sign of the apocalypse. Man, I would love to see another UB art game. Like, I hope somewhere in Montpellier someone's making like a cool, <laughs> yeah, pretty art game. I really hope so. Like, I wonder if those can still exist alongside the, the games as a service, which has clearly been working with them with The Division and with Rainbow Six Siege and with uh, Wildlands. Yeah, it's a it's a kind of a fascinating year for Ubisoft because yeah. obviously Assassins is back, which is like, oh, they're back on their train or whatever, but their their other games are more experimental than I think I really have stopped and thought about. Yeah, and then uh, early next year uh, in February we're getting Far Cry. That's 
crazy. Cool. Very exciting. Uh, so to jump into the news, as we mentioned, uh, there is a new PSVR model mm-hmm. that uh, Sony announced yesterday. As you put here, UHZVR two, the Cosover two. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it has quote uh, an updated design that enables the stereo headphone cables to be integrated within the VR headset uh, for a slimmer, streamlined connection cable. Uh, it also has a new processor unit that will HDR pass. Uh, so Brian Altano is very happy that he no longer has to unplug his PS4 Pro from his PSVR and. It, put it in but it, he's not happy because he bought the other one that doesn't do this yeah so the thing about <laughs> this is the cables in psvr are not modular none mm-hmm. of this is modular so if you were a big sony fan and were an early adopter to psvr and ps4 pro like brian was um it's sort of a slap in the face that now that major problem can be fixed for people who decide to adopt a year in yeah i mean i think I think like the reality of buying tech early is that that happens. Like I feel like being an early adopter, you know, that's the risk. And I think Sony like they like doing this like with their non major hardware stuff. Like, I mean, if you look at what they've done with PSP and what they've done with Vita, like you get kind of not even necessarily major redesigns, but you get kind of subtle things that change certain ideas. Like obviously the Vita Slim switch to an proprietary charging port and like the battery life is better, but it lost that OLED screen. So I think you kind of. This is a weird example where, like, I don't see any benefit to being have, to being an early adopter. Yeah. Like, there weren't like now. If you buy it right now, this is you're just a get, better headset. Exactly, it's a better headset. It has easier features to be compatible yeah. with with modern tech. And now there's such a good library of games. Yeah, it's cheaper now, and it's cheaper. So it's like all across the board. Like, I think being an early adopter in this case wasn't super great. Yeah. But. Like, and I don't want to sound too negative because that's like you mentioned. That's just tech. Mm-hmm. As, a, as a whole was a designed obsolescence where like, yeah. you know, that's anyone who's ever owned an iPhone. That's the exact same thing as if you buy an iPhone, hey, a year later, there's going to be a better one for the exact same price. Yep. Like, that's just just how it is. That's yeah. just how it is. And like, it's if, if you're lucky, it's a year. Yeah, I think, totally. Like that cycle is smaller and smaller. But I think this is like a good, hey, we didn't forget about VR move. Yeah. My fear is that like this feels like a 1.5. Like oh, I, totally. I would imagine there is a this more like robust. A 1.2. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I feel like there's got to be a more robust plan for PSVR. If or yeah. maybe they just abandon it, but like if they're serious about this being a major pillar, they have they need some kind of game changer. I think I would love. Since for for PlayStation Four, you don't need to. I mean, they sort of have a roadmap where, like, they reveal a game a couple of years before it comes out, but they don't need to show in a timeline what we're getting for the next five years because we know we're going to get cool stuff. Yep. Like we've been PlayStation fans for the last you know twenty two years or whatever, yeah. so we're fine. We we trust them with PSVR. Like maybe they do need to do a roadmap thing in the same way Marvel did with like here's a timeline of all of our movies coming out until twenty twenty, and yeah, a bunch of that changed because the Inhumans got canceled and turned into a bad TV show. But like, uh, here's Here's what our plan is. Like, maybe they need to be like, hey, so this is what's happening. We plan for this many games. We are partnering with these third parties. This first party studio is working on a thing that's going to come out in fall of 2018. Yeah, I mean, I think the insane thing right now, the problem that they have and that VR has as a whole is that we're just so early. And I think, like, unless they somehow make a version, like, they can't, obviously, but unless they somehow make a version of this that's $99, I don't think they can get momentum. Because I think if, if they get on stage and they say... The next God of War is PSVR only. Like, that's crazy and would get some people to buy it. I still don't think it's going to sell 40 million units or yeah. anything. Like, I think that they're to this point where 
the people who want to jump on the VR train are there. And yeah. I think like they're like, like Brian and, and many other people who have VR headsets, Vive or Oculus, but especially mm-hmm. PSVR are happy with it. And like they're, I don't meet that many people who regret the purchase or anything, but I don't think there's really a good incentive to make like me pick one up or to yeah. make anyone else, especially like if you don't have the money, like if you have a PS4 already and you have the choice between PSVR or just getting an Xbox one or switch, like, Honestly, I think right now the way better move is to buy a different console. Yeah, I mean, there was a couple of people even in our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash group slash podcast beyond, which is where we get a lot of our questions for rapid fire from. Mm-hmm. Um, I think someone like mentioned like, hey, I have some some cash to burn. Should I get a PSVR or a Switch? And I was like, you should probably get a Switch. Like, yeah. honestly, I think both like what's on there now with Breath of the Wild and in a couple of weeks, Mario Odyssey, and then what it has in store for the future, I'm way more confident in it than PSVR. And while I think VR is really cool, like Switch is going to be around for a while. I don't know if the support's going to be there for VR. At least not in its year. current form. Like yeah. I think that VR as an overall thing is going to be something. Like I do think that like, there's a good idea. There's a kernel of a really smart like this is the way to change what games are and how we perceive yeah. them. But I don't think that bulky headset is it yet. Mm-hmm. And and even if it is, like I think the problem they're kind of in this word catch twenty two where I think like people like me are like, oh we need a big premium experience on VR. I want a forty hour game. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna play a forty hour yeah. game in VR. I think like maybe they should shift to the other direction. Like they announced the Nekoatsume mm-hmm cat sim vr yeah, thing and then they announced the, the sony the sony singing pals the music thing yeah. yeah yeah so it's like maybe you go smaller yeah but I mean, it, I mean i don't know it, it, it's again like do i want to spend 300 400 buying one of these things yeah. so i can play a bunch of bite-sized experiences i mean if the right if it's the right properties and the right studios working on it maybe if yeah I'm promised that once every other month I'm getting something from a AAA, either first party Sony developer or a partner developer. If every month I'm getting, it's like, oh, uh, uh, they there is a uh, Last Guardian experience, or there's an Uncharted experience, or a God of War experience, or if like you know Capcom and Activision, you know, which they did at launch, they were like, hey, here's the Batman VR game, and then here is Resident Evil Seven in VR, and here is Star Wars Battlefront. I think that's what they need. Like yeah. they, the Tomb Raider one like is the only VR thing that's actually made me sick. So maybe it's a bad example, but I think if they had for every major game, if like in the way that Microsoft with Xbox live, part of the reason that achievements took off is because they were required. Yes. You had to have them. They had to follow a style guide. Like I think ultimately like maybe it's time for Sony at least in first party to just promise a VR experience with like Imagine Shout of the Colossus having a crazy VR thing yeah. in it where you can look up at, like, it doesn't have to be crazy. Like, could you imagine the sense of scale of, exactly. like, looking up at literally any of the Colossus? Like, the first one. Just do the first one, exactly. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have to be any more robust than, like, letting me walk around a small space and look up at it. But I think Uncharted is the same way. Like, let me just walk around Drake's house. Like, yeah. it doesn't need to be any more robust than, like, it's a cool bonus feature. But I think that's the way you slowly trickle people in. Yeah. And I think, honestly, like, part of it is that they're just not giving it, like, yeah, there are tiny experiences coming out and, like, Every single week, there's something yeah. on PSVR, but they need it to be more reliable and more exciting, I think. Yeah. Like, when we talk about how awesome the Sony exclusives have been this year already, um, which it was a little bit front-loaded, to be per- yeah. uh, perfectly honest, but, like, imagine if Gravity Rush and Horizon and mm-hmm. uh, Persona all had... Uh, and, and Lost Legacy all had something in VR. Like in Persona, you could like go to wander around the cafe or go to Crossroads or go to the school. Um, in Horizon, if you could just view models of all the dinos in VR and just sort of like it just looks like it's in a museum, like that would be so cool. And if that was accompanied with all these games, I feel like 
especially all these games I'm already buying, like if that was exactly. with them, I would totally buy a PSVR and then that gets them in people's houses and then you can start selling them solo things. And I think that's exactly, I think that's, it's like that weird like Trojan horse idea of like, I want to do this small thing. I mean, like I, I understand why something like Persona or any like small team, it's yeah. going to be hard to, this game that's been delayed like a hundred times yeah. to get like a thing like that in it. But first party has the resources and like if Sony, I think the weird spot Sony's in right now and why I'm kind of glad they had a shake up in senior management is because it feels like they don't think enough about ecosystem things right now. I think like they have this incredible momentum and PS4, like they can just stop and let third party stuff yeah. come and it would do great. But like, I hope that at some level they're looking at all of their first party initiatives as like an in tandem thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's part of what happened at the Vita. They made a couple novelty high profile games and they kind of let it die. Yeah. And I think you have to kind of build in that support all the way through. And, and PSVR is such a good supplement Mm -hmm. to the major games and i think you nailed it it's the stuff that i'm buying anyway like if i'm the biggest uncharted fan and i played uncharted 4 and then i played lost legacy and i knew that both of them had extra stuff that i would get with a headset or like horizon gravity rush like all of these first party games shout out the colossus are such a perfect like all of those worlds are so cool and Mm -hmm. robust even days gone like any of the things they have coming up like i can totally see them coming up with small cute little VR things that just give me 35, 40 minutes yeah. of, of something extra to do. I don't know why they haven't done that. Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it where it's... We see the same thing at work where you put a lot of time and effort into something. You launch it, and then if you don't get immediate amazing results, you start questioning it, and you start being like, well, did we put our resources in the right place? Should we focus on what the surefire bets are? Like, yeah. I don't know. It's really tough when when time and money is on the line to stick with something for the long haul if it's not working out well. And sometimes you do revisit those things, and you're like, oh, man, the thing that launched with only like 20,000 views six months later had like 400,000. So like sometimes things are the long run. Like sometimes you know, Rainbow Six Siege launches and to sort of like lackluster fanfare. And then all of a sudden it just keeps getting better and better because they're willing to stick with it. Yeah. Even um, Destiny 1 is like a great example. Totally. Yeah. And uh, I think that's totally PS, uh, like Vita was never able to catch up with what Nintendo was doing. And and then the mobile market just sort of changed and, and it was sort of left by the wayside. And I hope that's not the case with VR. And, you know, maybe this coupled with them promising they're going to be announcing some stuff at uh, at the end of the month at Paris uh, is, you know, a sign of that. Yeah. And I mean, like they still have a great chance. Like, I mean, if you if you build this stuff into like we said, shout out the Colossus, but man, GT Sport obviously already has mm-hmm. major VR integration. Like follow that model. Like, I mean, let's see what they can do with Dreams. Dreams has always been a great candidate for, for VR support. Yeah. I think uh, God of War has such a beautiful, fully detailed world that it's like, why not just add something cool? Like maybe, maybe not in the Shadow of the Colossus level, but I think even just looking up at giant God of War monsters would be cool. Totally. And even maybe lean into uh, a lot of people want these like forgotten PS1 and PS2 franchises to come back. Maybe that's how you lean into them. Maybe there's yeah. a, instead of making a full-fledged $60 medieval game, maybe there's a medieval VR thing or Jumping Flash or uh, Parappa, you know, like maybe that's how you get these things instead of, you know, uh, allocating $100 million to, to make a AAA game. That'd be cool. Uh, so yeah, shifting a bit, as you mentioned before, Sony has had some uh, management changes up at the top. You had uh, Adam Boys leaving a little while ago. You had Shuhei sort, uh, sort of shifting a role. And the newest one is that uh, Andrew House has stepped down uh, as the president slash CEO, uh, which he has been since 2011. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew House, you probably have seen him on stage at various major announcements. 
Yeah, he does like the really big stuff. So yeah, like the, not the PS4 Layton. reveal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's he's a, a nice British man who's mm-hmm. also fluent in Japanese. So like yeah. you see him at he shows up at their TGS conferences a lot. Uh, he was there at the PS4 Pro event. Mm-hmm. He was there at the original PS4, but he's not usually on stage at E3, for yeah. example. Um, and so uh, the new president and CEO is a man named John Cadera, who has led Sony's network service businesses since uh, 2013 and played a pivotal role in its growth. Yeah, uh, like I'm not really familiar with him to be totally mind. honest. It's a, it's a name I've heard, and I know about a year ago he got a big promotion. When so, like the extremely quick version of that history is that there was always Sony Computer Entertainment, um, which was split into uh, SCEA, SCEE, SCEJ, like all around the world. Uh, they recently just put everything collapsed into one. So network services and game development and everything under Worldwide Studios all became Sony Interactive Entertainment, yeah. which is one huge company that's based here in San Mateo, and that entire organization uh was under andrew house and is now under john cadera mm-hmm. so it's like it's a little bit of a confusing org yeah. but kind of everything reports up into one thing now and um john cadera about a year ago because that that reorg only happened i think a year year and a half ago yeah. or so and so he got promoted up when that happened um maybe that was grooming him like maybe this was planned all along yeah. it, it's a little bit of a weird unclear situation but andrew house guided them from kind of a Maybe not even in terms of numbers, but in terms of perception, PS3 was in like a solid second place yeah. last gen into the powerhouse that PS4 is. Sure. So like on some level, leadership is going great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I, I don't know what the internal politics are. Maybe Andrew House just wanted to step down, but like he had a good run, you know, it's, oh, it's yeah, totally. been nothing but a, a great few years. Yeah, I don't see this as this isn't that everything's on fire. I mean, clearly look at sales. Everything's not on fire. Yeah. Uh, I mean, doing something since 2011, six, six years is a long time. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I totally understand. Uh, and he's staying on as chairman through the end of the year. Yeah. And I think he's out after that. Yeah. But I mean, it's just interesting I think Sony right now, they're decisively in first place, but a little bit of what we were just talking about, they just need vision. I think yeah. that it is definitely time to like, I obviously I'm sure they're deep into these conversations, but like whatever's going to happen with PS five, it's like, how do you not, if you look at PS two and then they were on top and then they fell, you know, in the PS three generation, it just happened to Microsoft going from 360 to Xbox one. Like how do you stay on top when generation shift? I yeah. think it's a really hard proposition that not many companies have been able to. Nail. And also you're staying on top. Like, Nintendo's doing something weird this generation. Like yeah. Nintendo, this isn't, this isn't the same horse race. Like Nintendo, all yeah. of a sudden is like, well, what animal are you riding? <laughs> like we're both on horses. What are you on? Um, and so yeah, that is a really interesting thing. Of like, I imagine a PS5 reveal is going to happen probably in 2019. I don't think it's next year, but I think 2019 and yeah. maybe a 2020 release. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, obviously the talks are already in that. Like you had the avalanche that just caused developers uh, mentioned that they were hiring for someone for next generation consoles. So like, well, and like Cyberpunk and Death Stranding and a lot of like the yeah. really far away things. I maybe even Last of Us 2, I don't know. Like there there are certain things I feel like we've already seen in the way that we saw Watch Dogs and it was very clearly not yeah, going to be a 360 yeah. game. I think that we are moving into this era where developers are thinking about it and yeah. like the, you know, the tech that's in PS4, you know, was was in R&D in 2012, system came out in 2013. Like it's it's getting old. Yeah. And like in te- we were just talking about that, right? Like in technology, that's a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's uh that part is interesting. And then going back to, uh, I don't know if this, uh, this is interesting to us. Like, honestly, like let us know in the, the, the comments of the YouTube video or on, uh, our Facebook group, like 
are people interested in the sort of behind the scenes who runs these companies? Because I feel like it wasn't until like seven ish, eight, nine years ago when, you know, honestly, through the help of Greg and Colin, people figured out who Shuhei was and Shuhei sort yeah. of became this prominent figure. And then Nintendo started putting Reggie at the forefront. And then after the Don Matrick era, uh, Phil Spencer became the, the, the vision associated with, uh, Xbox. Like it's, it's interesting how they, now like position these people as as these are the humans you associate with these brands yeah it's such a weird thing because like i think sony to some degree has always done that like i i think like i like yeah the jack if, trenton days exactly yeah. like if you look at 2006 like it's all casserai yeah, like it's yeah. all the like you know like yeah, all, yeah. all those memes that came from that that press conference um and they put jack trenton front and center but i i think you're totally right i think that's become more of a expectation yeah. I, I think it's why even nintendo directs in the absence of Awada have been really interesting because it's like, who do you get to, to be on them? You know? Yeah. And, and they, I think everyone's kind of looking for their figurehead. Yeah. Nintendo's done an interesting job to where like, uh, you know, Miyamoto has, has sort of taken a step back and is in the, the advisor role, which you've been, you've created this industry. You could totally do that. Yeah. But like you have guys like Koizumi and then like mm-hmm. the Splatoon kids, like kids, they're probably older than me, but like <laughs> that, like younger generation of, of developers that they're putting yeah. for. Yeah. Like they're probably like 45. <laughs> those children. Um, yeah. So I was so excited. That's interesting. I always uh, find like who they position as like the voice and the champion. Like Gio was the champion of, of Vita. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's I don't know, like to to some extent, because I was so used to how things were, like it's always weird to be seeing Sean Layden pop yeah. out, and and I think this most recent E3 was the first time, and I was just like, oh, it's Sean Layden, and I got used to him, you know. And she wasn't out at all. Yeah, and so that it's like weird. it's an interesting shift. Yeah, um, I'm I'm always fascinated watching kind of the the political behind the scenes side of of PlayStation because obviously there are a lot of very very smart people in that company trying to make sure that things keep going. Yeah, and uh, just piggybacking off of that, talking about a, a, a shift, um, we mentioned this a little bit at PAX, where PAX had uh, major indie events from Sony and from Microsoft, or, or from Nintendo, Nintendo and yeah. Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing missing was a Sony event, and we were talking about how, man, a couple years ago, like when Sony had on stage, they had they had Transistor on stage at E3, or yeah, on their, and they had just a lineup yeah. of indies with like Secret Punches and be, all these games. There used to be literally the middle third of their press conferences were just indies, <laughs> and I remember, what was it, Gamescom 20... 20- 13 was the year when they revealed rhyme and yep. when when they just had all they had like an entire incredible indie section that showed that that was going to be a major push for them on ps4 and it was yeah <laughs> but i feel like now the tides have kind of turned yeah i mean i feel like we don't have those like they don't have the the sort of incubation stuff where stuff like sound shapes and unfinished swan come out and we got yeah. finch but that's just giant sparrow and annapurna doing and even like major like you know like those like there, there's really no mid-tier in the game industry yeah. anymore like thq fell out and like you're seeing this guy i guess deep silver is kind of close but you kind of only see indie or triple a yeah and there's there's very little middle ground i think the middle ground has been replaced by kind of high profile indies so like firewatch yeah. and, and things like that and i think even something like hellblade which is a relatively yeah. small team which doesn't look indie at all like that looks like you know triple a as, <laughs> yeah. as hell but like or like God, brothers or yeah yeah, yeah. And any of those things or not brothers um a way out yeah yeah, like I think you're seeing games that like kind of fill this niche, and Sony was really good about securing those for a while, and I feel like that's you're seeing that less and less. Yeah, and uh, case in point, like one the biggest game on the planet right now is uh, PUBG, player knows Battlegrounds, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we had this, you know, uh, Microsoft talked about it at E3, and uh, you know we have the game in theory coming to Xbox One later this year, and then people are like, so 
is this ever going to come to PS4? Because that would make sense. There's a giant install base. Uh, so this week, Bluehole's founder said that he has, quote, uh, has had some talks with all of the major console companies and is specifically, quote, in talks with Sony. Uh, but today, Bloomberg reported that Microsoft is likely to extend the extended, uh, exclusivity period, quote, until the middle of next year or longer. Yeah, and like I know you guys are going to get into this on Unlock tomorrow, yeah. I'm sure, from some of the, the Microsoft side of it. I think from the Sony side, it's like, why are you not fighting harder? You yeah. Know? And it's like, who knows, right? Like, I don't know what's happening behind the scenes. Maybe Microsoft's but it's like, war chest is just so big and they're like, hey, we're going, you're a small studio. We are going to give you just carte blanche. Yeah. And that, maybe that's what it is. I mean, I just, I, the last time I remember really seeing Sony fight was No Man's Sky because like there was that flood and i think it was microsoft gave yeah. them money and then sony kind of poached them away and they became a ps4 exclusive and we all know how that worked out but like i don't know if that left a bad taste in their mouth or something mm-hmm. like if the whole no man's sky fiasco and maybe that's why they're shying away from indies but it's just such a weird fascinating shift mm-hmm. because i like player owns battlegrounds could not be bigger it's it's the biggest game on steam literally right now and so like it coming to console could be huge for Microsoft mm-hmm. and maybe it's not enough to, to turn the tides or anything, but I'm, I'm just surprised. It, it, it is really weird having kind of stepped back and, and been in the industry. Like we've only been in the industry since PS3 era. Yeah. So it, it's not, you know, it's not like we have like this long storied history of watching the tides turn. I think this is the most in the middle of it. I felt for a long yeah. time. Like, I feel like when we are in the, the PS5, xbox 2 era i think we uh <laughs> we'll look back on this as as kind of a, a pivotal moment Important in the same moment. way that yeah. that you know um xbla was for, yeah. for 360 and you know it, it's i think it's just because sony has a finite amount of resources and they are focusing heavily on aligning themselves with giant third-party games that are coming to everything but yeah. messaging it to where the best place to play it is on playstation started the year off with resident evil 7 yep. uh destiny 2 is is that uh, we know battlefront 2 is that we know call of duty is that next and next year red dead. red dead yeah yeah we just got the red dead oh yeah we didn't talk about the red dead trailer yeah oh that's right yeah what, what did you think about the red dead trailer uh i liked it i i wish it was longer yeah. uh i I'm excited they confirmed the prequel. I think yeah. that's a smarter way to go. As much as I would love to see what happened next in in kind of the aftermath of Red yeah. Dead Redemption, I think there isn't a lot to do there. I think this story is more interesting. Well, it's also what happens next after Red Dead. The whole thing about the first or about Red Dead Redemption is that it's about the death of the West. Yeah. And it's about the world was taking the next step into the future. So I'm like, at a certain point, it's not a Western anymore. You just, yeah. like, you're sort of in, like, it, it, the game took place in 1911. Like, you're about to hit World War One. Like, yeah, and that's, that's the thing, like, if you play as Marston's son in, like, the early 1920s or something, like... That's, you, like, literally, like, what, is this post, like, this takes place after <laughs> Battlefield 1? Yeah, like, yeah. Think, you're not cowboys anymore. I think it puts you in a weird era. I think this is really interesting, and, and it has that prequel problem, you know, that Star Wars problem of, like, we know where these We know what happens to Dutch. Yeah. He throws himself off a cliff. I'm know? almost wondering... Um, Obviously, pure speculation. Is that a spoiler? I mean, it's been quite a while since it's been since If it was, I apologize. I wonder if they are going to do any framing device or epilogue or something hinting yeah. at post Red Dead. Like, even if they did like that Better Call Saul style, like Better Call Saul begins every season with something that takes place after Breaking yeah, Bad. Yeah, it's like in black and white. Yeah. yeah, and it's like I don't know, like maybe not, maybe they don't need to, but I I would imagine. People at Rockstar, somewhere in the back of their minds, know I mean, where that story goes. Yeah, like Marson has to be in the game. Like you see Dutch, yeah. you see Billy Williamson in the shot of the. And they have that line, walking. that line of like, "We need one more gun." Yeah, yeah. you're like that has to be. A lot of people are expecting because this this uh, new protagonist is 
just in this trailer, straight up a bad guy. Yeah. Like, nothing he does is redeeming. He doesn't seem like an anti-hero. And so people are like, oh, maybe it's you play as him in the first act, and then Marston guns him down, and then you play yeah. as like a young John Marston, you know, back in the good old days with, with the old Dutch gang. It's so crazy that Rockstar can just stop the world from turning. Like, it's like yeah. such an insane thing that, like, they didn't announce a date. And you know, so many publishers are like, ah, oh, damn it. Just tell like, us. Yeah. Everyone needs to move away. The second, yeah. Like the second they're like, it's out on March 30th, everyone has to scatter. So wait, so that's the thing. There, there's two different, it says spring. Mm. And so a lot of people are like, it has to be out before the end of March to meet this fiscal quarter. But then there's other people who said on a take two earnings call, they said that they were expecting it for fiscal year 2019. 2019. Yeah. Which I, would mean April 1st, April 1st to, or later to I mean, it's Rockstar, right? Like, yeah. if, if Rockstar has it done in March, it'll come out in March, but I don't, I can't But if imagine. Rockstar's like, we're releasing uh, on October 2nd, they're like, yep. Yes. Exactly. And that's the whole thing. Like, I think 2K is in a weird spot where, like, like NBA does fine for them, obviously, but, like, they had a very quiet year. And so I, I'm sure Take-Two would love a Rockstar game yeah. to end up in this fiscal year. But the thing is, if it's not, then next year is really good. Yeah. And, and then they get to talk about their 400% increase. Or yeah. Whatever. And, I mean, last year you had the, the, the really big, 2K stuff come out with uh, Battleborn and with uh, Mafia 3. We just didn't have those single-player meaty things. We know we're not getting another Evolve. And I think those were big on paper, but they didn't Oh, totally. Yeah, that's what I meant. Like, the things that are meant to be big. And so now you have to imagine, like, Borderlands 3 is clearly in development. That's possibly next year. Maybe not. Maybe something with Bioshock is happening. Maybe we get a Mafia 4. Um, But I think, like, this is, like, this is bread and butter. Yeah, I think they need it. I guess I should say full disclosure that I worked for Gearbox for a year. Uh, but no, I, I think that I, I'm looking at kind of the roadmap for take two. And like, if I'm Strauss Zelnick, I'm looking at that and saying, man, it would be nice to have it right now, but at least next year we know we have a surefire hit. Yeah. It's also the, as completely insane as it sounds, like the continued sales of GTA five are making them enough money that Honestly, they might even be on par with like a Mafia Three or a yeah, Battleborn, yeah. which is crazy. I mean, I don't know if that's true. But I mean, like, it's literally still in the top ten of NPD, and the game came out in September 2013. A little bit of behind the scenes, not GN. We, we have this article. It's I think the what top 25 Game Boy Advance games or top yeah. 100, whatever. Top it is. 25 Game Boy Advance games. That article consistently performs for us ahead of brandy stuff yeah and it is such a consistent earner like a consistent like traffic bringer that it's like something that we always just look at and we're like how is this in, at like, the end of the year 25? it's like always in the top 25 I'm yeah like, how what what happened why do we do any of this yeah, exactly and yeah. so like i feel like there's there's this weird boat where like i feel like as long as gta 5 is still that like they're in no rush so to get top right 25 game boy advance games is our gta 5 i think it is our gta 5. yeah it's our article of the generation <laughs> Um, yeah, that's really thanks, interesting. Craig Harris. Yeah, thanks, Craig. Yeah, and one of the things we were talking about, like missing from 2K's lineup, is I think everyone is looking for a Destiny like. Yeah, and I think Ubisoft has sort of found that in a lot of their games of services. Like, I don't think any one of them is as big as Destiny, but I think combined, the games we mentioned, Rainbow Six and Wildlands and Division, can be that. Um, you look at uh, EA seems to be very much wanting to do that with Anthem. Yep. I think that's what Anthem is going to be for EA and Bioware. At least they're attempting for it to be. 100%, that. yeah. Um, yeah, you see, like, these sort of thoughtful transactions being added to stuff like uh, Shadow of War and, like, Assassin's Creed, to where, like, these things are existing in the world. So I think, like, 2K is like, what's that for us? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... and you- Which, maybe GTA Online is that. Yeah, I mean, GTA Online is the closest they have right now. Like, we don't know a ton about what Red Dead's online mode is. We know yeah. it's there. We know it's there, yeah. I would imagine that... I, I mean, again, Rockstar can kind of do whatever it wants, but I have to imagine they want to just basically 
look at the blueprint of what GTA Online was and mm-hmm. figure out how it works in Red Dead and, and try and emulate that success. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, all right, so we're wrapping up uh, this portion of the show. Uh, we're, Rapid Fire is a separate thing now that you can uh, watch over on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash IGN Beyond. Before we do that, we're going to take one of the Facebook questions because it pertains to something coming up this weekend. Ooh. Uh, James Rodriguez asked, any plans for New York Comic Con this weekend? Not us specifically. Not us specifically. But, I wish. Uh, I want to go back to New York. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> uh, both Max and Jonathan are going to be there mm-hmm. uh, covering stuff. And uh, there's I don't think there's plans for like a meetup or anything. So um, there is that. We have a big WWE. WWE event of some sorts that Max is going to be at. I don't know what the details of that is, but if you look up IGN plus WWE New York Comic Con, maybe there's something like that. Um, yeah, probably. But if you're walking around the show floor or uh, just New York in general and you see either of them, uh, be sure to say hi. Uh, Kirsten Slater, who runs our event stuff, has been tweeting about it. So yeah. Number one, you should find her on Twitter anyway and tell her she's great. And uh, she's great. And she's the one who runs all the First Friday stuff here. So yep. if you're ever in San Francisco on the first Friday of any month, uh, contact her and you should be able to get an office tour and uh, meet us and all that stuff. Yep, that's mm-hmm. for she. So yeah, find Kirsten Slater's Twitter, tell her she's great, and also she has all the WWE Comic-Con info. Perfecto. Uh, then the final plug is just, yeah, our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash IGN Beyond. Uh, go there, subscribe, and if you like those um, Let's Plays that we're doing every week, which, you know, Alana's been sort of producing and editing and doing a great job, which I've been having a blast with the Danganronpa one and the Final mm-hmm. Fantasy Nine and Destiny and we did Nat. Yeah. Uh, and we have a whole slate of them for the rest of the year, including some fun stuff for the end of the year. Um, you know, give them, a, give them a watch. Give them a like. Uh, just leave a nice comment and, and uh, yeah, if you have any questions or any games you want us to play, uh, let us know there. Uh, Thank you very much. So for Andrew, uh, my name is Marty. This was Beyond, episode 513, and we'll see you next week. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.